Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Today, I have the pleasure of having Robert Mani here with me today, and he's the guy's guy, and we want to know more. Robert, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks so much for having me here. Very happy to be here, Omar. So tell me how you started this Guys Guys podcast. Okay, well, uh, my background is in marketing and advertising. I spent many many years with uh, Fortune 100 corporations as well as the biggest ad agencies in the world and then some smaller boutique creative shops. And I started writing uh, about 20 years ago and I wrote a novel and I couldn't sell it, but I learned how to do it. And then I wrote another one called The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love and it got published. And from there, I started- Is that a novel uh, or nonfiction? It's actually a novel. It sounds like it's nonfiction because of the name, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. And uh, it's been called The Male Successor to Sex in the City. So we also nice. have a TV treatment for, it's a rom-com. We have a TV treatment and we have a uh, uh, adapted screenplay that's been- being shopped around. And I started uh, blogging because the main character in the book, he's a guy, he writes a blog about men for women. And the book's really a book about men for women. And uh, I was inspired to write it because of the the large canyon of uh, gap in communication between men and women. And since I've written the book, it's actually gotten wider, I believe. And so I wanted to show, here's what men are really all about. And it's not that bad. The news isn't that bad. So I started blogging like the main character in my book does. And from there, I figured, okay, what's the next step? Let's just take that whole guy's guy thing and uh, start doing a podcast. So I started doing the podcast, Guys, Guys Radio. You're probably thinking, what is a guy's guy? Well, he's really an updated man's man, but he's not the macho old school man's man. He's really about casual confidence, unassuming strength, seductive integrity, timeless style and emotional intelligence. So it's really the evolving man and he fits in today and it could because he's timeless, he fits in, in, in yesteryear, but it's not the macho man. So I started doing guys, guys radio. And I initially was all about relationships and dating and same thing with my blog. I've got over 350 blog posts on robertmanny.com all about life, love, the pursuit of happiness. So I started doing the podcast a number of years ago um, and it was a lot of uh, relationship guests, a lot of coaches and dating experts and things like that. And then I started uh, being discovered by publicists and they started sending me metaphysical guests and nice. a lot of other writers and authors and uh, experts in uh, you know, things like what we practice, uh, uh, hypnosis and Reiki and other things. I've had Neil Donald Walsh on, uh, channelers like Paul Selig, um, Ernest uh, Laszlo, um, John Gray. And just on and on and on, I just interviewed Jonathan Goldman and uh, uh, Gabriel Cousins. And then from there, I started getting Hollywood celebrities and then Hall of Fame sports writers. I've had Vinny Pastor from The Sopranos. I recently interviewed Harvey Arrington, New York Times, Hall of Fame sports writer, Bill Madden, Hall of Fame sports writer. I decided just to open up the show to the type of guests that I thought would add value to the listener as well as educate 
possibly educate and share new information to them, as well as me. So I've interviewed over 500 people over the course of our 452 produced shows, and the show has gotten bigger and bigger. And now we're on KCAA, and uh, we're on 21 platforms, and we have a YouTube channel. Brilliant. Because I think ultimately at the end of the day, it's all about that human experience. Like we've gotten sophisticated with iPhones and artificial intelligence and all that gamut. But at the end of the day, it's human to human. And so all of those guests make perfect sense. But the question to you is, how are men showing up today and how should they be showing up? Okay. Well, uh, while women have been on a very straight course of uh, being recognized finally for all the great things they've done, uh, men have been at a kind of a crossroads because they're not sure what their expectations are of them or their roles. Uh, I think young, older guys, uh, boomers, they are still defining themselves by virtue of their wallet and their position. And a mm -hmm. lot of them are starting to ask themselves questions about is this all there is? And they're starting to wonder about what do I need to do to create longevity? How do I how do I not just get more years, but how do I have quality years so I can really enjoy things instead of just being under stress all the time from work and really figure out who I am as a person? For the younger guys, their problem is they have no role models. They're caught somewhere between the MMA and manscaping. So it's really a tough time for men. But I think if you are a guy's guy or if you aspire to be one, this is the best time ever to be a man because you don't have all of the burden on you. This is a time where men can be whoever they want to be. It is also a time where it's never been less clear who men really are. So recently, I just started a new dating relationship, like really, really early stages. And so this young lady was over a couple of nights ago, and we're having a really nice dinner, a really nice conversation. And uh, I said, you know, I really feel like touching you. Would that be okay? And she said, that would be okay. Praise the Lord. But it's, it's almost as if, if you can be honest with what you're truly feeling, there's a power in that truth. But had I put on a facade, you know, hey, baby, how are you doing? That people can sense it. So even if you've got an ugly truth, the other person receives it a lot better and can respond in whatever way. Thoughts on that? Like, how authentic do we need to be? Well, I think everything you're doing is very good. And I think you are being authentic. Uh, the only area where I would... I would take a different tact, but I wouldn't ask, but I would do it, uh, be gentle and uh, read the signals, uh, read the woman. And if you really pay attention, because women are great at paying attention, and if men were as good as reading uh, the other, the opposite sex or their partner as well, they'd know that when it seems to feel okay to make a move or not make a move. I think the thing that we all have to realize is with all the political correctness that's gone on now, you know, dating and romance is supposed to be fun. And it's supposed to be romance is a wonderful thing. And if you have to like ask permission, it's like, you know, can I put this into that now? And it gets to that point. All the fun is gone and all the natural spontaneity. Now, I'm not saying you, you know, jump on, jump on a woman by any means, but I think things have a nice, there's, you know, love is fun and love is nice and love is real. And I think when people uh, recognize it in each other, uh, they, they will reciprocate in kind. So I, I, I'm not that, I, I think people have gotten too much into their head and far away from their heart. And if they start living more a heart-centered life, these, these decisions as to what can I do, I'm with this woman, it's a new date and all of that, you know, it's not about asking permission verbally. It's about knowing when it feels right. And you'll be able to know if she rebuffs you and says, I'm not ready yet. That's fine. True. It's, it's a complicated landscape because uh, we all have a persona that we put up for others. And we have uh, another version of who we are than the authentic self. And when people are putting up personas, 
that it sometimes it's hard to read that. So not just in romance, but in business. And sometimes, so let me give you an example, then I'll get you to respond. I was at uh, at a meeting with 21 folks and I gave everybody a three by five card and I said, could you write down what your negative voice says to you to stop you from executing what you want? And everyone wrote down what their voice said, no names. I took the card, shuffled them up, handed them out. And then I got the first person to read whatever card they got with the emotion embedded in the card. And, you know, I'm unlovable and I never amount to much or I'll always be a failure. And these 21 people, the CEOs, really successful. And then everyone's looking around going, holy crap, you know, we all have that stuff in here. And so no wonder we kind of show a different version of ourselves. Help me understand how we navigate that. So if it was like, you're a dude and there's a gal and it's just clear communications and a clear connection, that makes perfect sense. But we also put up these illusions. How do we navigate that? Well, the first step is don't put up the illusions, particularly when it comes to romance. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, mystery is a good thing. It's, it's, it's romantic, but you have to, you have to pretty, pretty much show up, be who you are, be authentic. If you start putting a mask on when you're in a new relationship, that's not going to turn. I don't think it's going to turn out well because the other partner is going to be sizing you up pretty quickly. You're going to have to show kind of your cards, like who, who you are, what you are, what you have to offer and what you want. And if people, you know, they get too much inside their heads and they're overthinking dating. Now, I understand in business that we have to put on some type of mask, if you will, because we're representing different companies, we're selling products, and it's a little bit of a different dance. It doesn't mean we're lying. It doesn't mean we're, we have to give all of our personal stuff away, though. It's a different situation. When you're dating, you want to get to know somebody. True, but your best guess, if we had 100 random people, men, women, and we said, okay, how many of you think you're a fraud. What percentage of hands do you think would go up? It may not be true. Their friends might say, what are you kidding me? No freaking way. Them feeling out of those hundred people, how many people do you think would put up their hand and go, yeah, I think I'm a fraud? Well, I, I, I know that people have low self-esteem and part of it is driven by the media and you have to have this, you have to that, that. It's a very comparative society and culture. And, and the key is don't fall, don't step into that. Always start with yourself. If you don't love yourself you can't really be in a relationship and love somebody else. If you don't make room in your heart for somebody else, you're not going to find a partner. So I think what we have to do, instead of thinking things are so complicated, let's look at them and say they're very simple. We're actually the ones complicating them. And for the individual, if you have self-loathing, you're going to have to work your way through that or you're not going to attract the right partner and you're not going to attract the right business either. So let's forget about self-loathing. Let's talk about, we're going to actually switch over just to the human love side of things. Mm-hmm. Let's say you've got someone that is, uh, do not love themselves, may not loathe themselves, but don't love themselves. So you've done a ton of interviews. What are three simple pieces of advice? You just can't tell someone, oh, go love yourself. Cause it's like, uh, how, what would be three simple executable things they could do that over a little bit of time that would start changing their relationships with themselves? Uh, one, I think they have to uh, look at the world in a way that realizing that everybody comes from the same source, so we're all connected. And once we do that, we realize we're all from that source, so we all have divinity within each one of us. You recognize that you have divinity in yourself. That means you're part of God. You have that divine spark in you. So you have to love yourself because God is omnipresent and God is love. So if God is love and omnipresent, then you have love inside yourself. And it's up to you to go inside and find it and start to live a more heart-based life. How do you do that? I think 
Uh, one, meditation is a good protocol to, to begin at any age. I, I recommend it, particularly for boomers now, go inside, kind of calm yourself down and get to know yourself and love yourself and realize who you are, what you are and how you can serve. And then the other thing is, I think people should get outside more and really commune more with nature. And I don't mean necessarily hugging trees literally, though you can and it feels pretty good, but just get out there and keep moving and keep circulating and, and keep living. So if you hug a tree inappropriately, does it get a woody? <laughs> That's fantastic. Very good. So one of the things, uh, one of my heroes is this woman called Marva Collins. And she was an educator in a time where education was in trouble. And she had this brutal punishment for her kids that were misbehaving. It'll be like, Robert, you know, you're misbehaving in class. I want you to go to that side of the room. There's a tablet of paper and a pen. And I want you to start at the letter A and go to the letter Z. And I want you to write a positive attribute about yourself that starts with the letter A. Amazing, brilliant. And they had to do all 26 letters. And her whole thought was, I want people to believe they can do anything. And I want them to believe that they're worthy of it. And I thought, what a brilliant punishment. And the punchline was, when the kid came back and started misbehaving, the other kids would say, you better cut it out. She's going to make you do it again. And you'll have to pick 26 new adjectives about how awesome you are. You know, having a, being a father and an older father of a seven-year-old, he's going to turn eight. I understand that concept very, very well. And it's very easy to point out uh, the misbehaviors of a, of a boy that age, but it's more important to point out the things that they're doing well. So I really like that, that process. Yeah. It might, might seem severe, but you know what? The intention is a good one. And I think if a child goes through that process and writes all those things down, they're going to start to have more self-esteem. Absolutely. And they're going to have to hit the dictionary to figure out because, you know, when you get to like X, uh, I'm done for. <laughs> it's like X rated. That's not an attribute that I want. But uh, so number one was uh, basically appreciating themselves. Number two is going out in nature. And what would be the third one? Well, not, not appreciating themselves and knowing that they're part of the, the divine. divine. Yes, absolutely. Yes, recognize the divinity in themselves. Um, I, it's m protocols like meditation where you get to do things that you go inside and maybe it's a spiritual enfoldment class or a group or you take up, learn how to do Reiki or hypnosis, or whatever. So you realize it's more than just what uh, we see in the everyday world and what we react to, because most people go through lives just reacting to stimuli. And the third thing is to get out there, get out in nature, because the more technologically uh, uh, devoted we are, the less we are connected with nature and the earth is, is an entity in its own and we have to respect it and recognize that we're part of it. So one of the things I do with clients is, you know, on some of our sessions together, uh, it's not in the office, it's certainly not on Zoom. I take them on a hike and it's just being it. out in nature and they're walking around. And sometimes what bubbles up is really, really powerful and amazing. And so nature has this awesome power to just allow you to be. Yes, agreed. So for... I'd heard of this, but I've not experienced it. It was being in a workshop and having some music playing and having everybody blindfold themselves and dancing. And so this is dancing without judgment and just letting the music come out, which I want to experience that because, you know, I dance like a white guy, a really bad white guy. I'm like awkward and jerky, not good. But so it's that sense of how we show up and how we judge ourselves. For your son, as he's growing up, what would be two or three skills that you hope that you can instill that would just allow him to just shine in high school and shine in life? Um, I think uh, empathy 
is a is a big one where to recognize that it's very, a lot of little kids are narcissistic. Um, I don't know if it's just the natural stages that they go through, but they don't really see repercussions and realize you know everything's a spectacle to them. Oh, look, it blow something blows up. Oh, that's fun. They don't realize that well, maybe people got hurt and there's a crash and all of that. So I think empathy is very important. Um, curiosity, uh, and then the uh, the biggest thing I think is that practice practice, practice, that things don't necessarily, they come, you know, come easily to some people more easily than others. But if you persevere, if you put in the work, even, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, the greatest athletes, they put in a lot of work and a lot of them are the hardest workers on the team. And I think instilling that in kids is important that if you want to do something, you can do it, but you're going to have to do some work to get there and make the work fun. If this is your passion, do it because you love it, but do it. So I'm going to butcher this quote. Uh, I'm not sure who said it. Somebody way brilliant than me. It was like, you know, we don't practice to get the skill right. We practice to not get the skill wrong. And so that's like a LeBron going again and again. So at the clutch moment, no matter what's going on, he can deliver. And so I play squash okay. quite badly. And uh, I enjoy it. It's joyous. I have fun. But then I see uh, like this 14-year-old girl in the court by herself hitting the ball on that side of the wall, it bounces back, she hits that side, and she'll be there for 20 minutes doing that drill, dedication. And it's like, when I look at me, it's like, I don't think I've got the patience to do that, but there's a reason why she could kick my ass. So you need to practice, 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 I think is is totally genius. You know, it's a little bit different with the kids because they're not thinking the way we're thinking. They're just doing, if you go on a ski slope or something, you see some little five-year-old and he's like, he's fearless because they're just doing it. And they're, they're in they're embracing it. They're filled with joy. When we're doing a lot of these things, whether it's golf and learning how to sink that five-foot putt, it's, it's, it's a lot of head games we play with ourselves. And we need to get back to where we just get into the flow and it becomes muscle memory and it becomes joy. It's not about winning or losing. It's about doing what we love to do. And when you do what you love to do, you're inevitably are going to get better and better at it. Absolutely. You were talking about downhill skiing. Do you know why they have the poles? It's not for what you think. It's to stab those little five-year-olds that are doing it way better. <laughs> <laughs> they are amazing, aren't they? Yeah. Well, it's the same thing. It's like you go, I've run three marathons, and I was always amazed when running a marathon, I'd see somebody who looked totally out of shape kicking my butt. And I'm in pretty good shape, and I, I, I did the proper training. And I'm like, how do they do that? Well, you know, part of it is they know how to their body oxi- uses the oxygen in a more efficient way. And you just the point is, you just never know. You just have to go out there. That's why I love marathons. You, you're not you're not competing against thirty thousand people if you're running in New York. You're really competing with yourself, and you're at a, you're in an event where for one day you are an elite athlete, and it's wonderful, and it's a great great experience. So experiences like that, I think, are really important for people as they as they age to go through. Find something like that you can do that you can really feel like you're at the top of your game and you're doing what the elites do. Absolutely. Uh, I was uh, reading Brian Cranston's book, Breaking Bad. I guess. He was on that show mm-hmm. and right. was talking about he was on a, on a soap opera. And I think he started dissing the writers. So they killed him off. And it was like one Friday afternoon. It's like, you died in an elevator crash or whatever. It's <laughs> like, what? And he's in New York and he is curled up in a ball for like a couple of days. And then on Sunday, it's like, uh, uh, I'm going to go and do something. I'm going to take my camera. I'm going to photograph in Central Park and that'll like distract me. And he comes out of his apartment and the New York Marathon is being run and he can't get to the park. And he's like, 
these stupid marathoners, sons of bitches. It's like, I want to go do photo to recover. And then somehow he gets it in his head that next year I am going to run in the marathon. And he ended up running in the marathon. But I thought this human need that when we get stuck, when we get stuck, we stop. And I'm a firm believer of what we need to do is go, okay, what is the smallest thing I can do to go in the right direction? And make it as small as possible and just take that one step. And just by ending that inertia and getting any movement really helps. So is there a particular thing you do, uh, Robert, when you get it not where you want to be? Is there a particular activity you do to kind of get unstuck and start moving forward? Well, I, I'll go for a run. Or uh, what I do is in the morning when I wake up, I don't reach for the phone. I get up earlier than anybody in the family. I, uh, I'll start by doing some Qigong deep breathing exercises and then I do Dan Millman, who wrote The Peaceful Warrior. He's got a, a workout. It's got 15 movements. I do that. And then I do some uh, affirmations and some prayer, if you will. And then I do some dowsing with a little pendulum. And nice. then I do a meditation. And uh, then I start my, there you go. Are we going to have a good show? <laughs> we are. <laughs> Was it going in the right direction? But anyhow, I do all of those things and they all get me unstuck. And I've been taking a spiritual enfoldment class for three years. And at the initially, I, I know I was going nowhere. I was running in place. And all of a sudden, like an onion, I started to peel uh, open. And, uh, and it's really helped me greatly. And my, it's interesting because my teacher passed away about uh, a month ago. And I, I kind of raised my hand and said, let's keep the class going, even though nice. she, was, she was a medium and a channel also. Let's keep it going. And we've done it. And it, everybody's gotten closer. We've gotten other people to join in. And it's just that, that exactly what you were saying, Umar, we take that one step and the next step leads to the next step. We could have easily just ended our class when she passed. Instead, we didn't. And uh, I continue to do all my practices every day. And I'm not stuck. I'm a flowing river now, and I'm so, so happy about that. And I know anybody can be in that exact same headspace and heart space. It's just a matter of taking those first initial steps and then doing it again, being consistent and loving yourself along the way. And I love that headspace and heart space because there is heart space there. So my wife had a, had a teacher that helped her on the spiritual path. And when he passed away, he would come in her dream state and continue the lessons. I totally vibe with that. I mean, I've had my teacher show up and give me a little bit of advice. Um, my dad passed uh, three years ago now, and when he needs to contact me, he actually contacts my wife by pressing down on the top of her head, and then she'll give me a message. And I'll give you a perfect example of how, why I know it's real. Um, last year, uh, in late January, she said to me, you've got to go back to New York. We're out in California now. We moved just a, a year and a half ago. You have to go back to New York, but you have to go now. Don't wait till March. Go now. So I went back. I visited my mother. I had some medical stuff to deal with. I had some business things to deal with issues. And then uh, I came back here and all of a sudden, what happened in March? Shut and, down. Yeah. So I've got a friend who has this Reiki massage gal that she works with that also is intuitive. And so she's in Savannah and she gets a call from her Reiki friend that says, uh, hey, you need to go see your dad now. She goes, oh yeah, I'll go in there in a few days. She goes, no, no, now. So the very next morning, bright and early, like four o'clock in the morning, she gets in her car. She's driving to Florida from Georgia and she gets a call from her brother saying, you're not going to make it, but dad's been rushed to the hospital. He's not going to be around for much longer. And she goes, I want to be there. I'm like 45 minutes away. And that was like validation for me. It's like to get that message, 
go do that. So there's more to us than just this physical body. There's more to us than our intellect. And if there is a quantum world, I think we connect to it from that heart space. I agree with you. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting. We're both kind of in business also. I know my background in marketing advertising, it was, you know, it was tough, uh, tough ad agencies, tough fortune 100 companies where I was in product management and, uh, people who, uh, who probably see what I'm doing now at first, they were probably saying what? And now <laughs> I know that I have worked with my frequency and my vibration where it does, it doesn't matter. And uh, it's a whole big world out there. So I'm meeting more and more and more new people. And you know what? Everything's going great. The, the point is you can make the change one step at a time any day. Just make that, take that first step and then keep going. Follow your heart and follow your mind and follow your intuition. And it'll, it'll help you tremendously. Don't just sit back and doubt yourself and say, I can't do it. You can still do anything at any age. Just take those steps words to live by. There's a show, it used to be on uh, AMC. It might have been called The Pitch. I'm not sure. Basically, are you familiar with it? Of course, yeah. I'm going to say something that's going to make you extremely jealous, Robert, but try and hold it down. In the first season, out of every single competition they had, I 100% picked the losing pitch. Well, I have some actually some friends who run agencies and they competed in it and they they won their their competition. If I I watched once or twice and I, it was good, but I knew who was going to win because if you're a professional, you you know it's like oh, yeah. it's just because it's a it's a very specific niche area and you know the language, you know who gets it and who doesn't get it, and it's not judgmental. It's just like this is a skill set, so it's yeah. like it's playing baseball at the minor league level or the major league level. There's there's a difference, so you could see that because you're a pro. Oh, I saw the losers. One hundred percent. I picked the people that did not win. Uh, it's an astounding trick. So, Robert, before we part company, I often ask guests, "What's a mind hack or a little simple trick you use to get disproportionate results?" What's something you can share with our audience? Well, what I do is I ask, uh, I ask for, sp- I ask spirit for help. Uh, let me know what I should do, or my guides, or whatever. What should I do in this situation? And I might not, I might get an instant answer. Or I might not get something for a couple of hours later, and then something will come up, an idea. And it's tangentially related to what my question was, what my issue was, and it helps me out. And it works invariably. But you have to be open. You have to believe. You have to know. You have to know that you're connected to spirit. And if you don't believe, that's fine. And then you use your, whatever tools you want to use, your mental tools, your you know uh, left brain tools, whatever. That's fine. But I got to tell you, the people have more power than they think they do. And we can tap a lot of energy that we don't realize that we have access to. And when you start doing that, you're going to see results. Absolutely. And I'll just kind of add to that. This, you know, some schools have thought that uh, we are transceivers. When we started this conversation, you said we all come from the same source. And sometimes we pick up information that's just out there. And uh, if, but you have to be open to it. Yeah, exactly. It's like Keith Richards says, I don't write these songs. I, it's like incoming. It's like I have an antenna, and when I get it, then I go run and I put something down and record something. Bruce Springsteen said, um, I don't know where my lyrics come from. So uh, there's a lot of this kind of channeling of energy going on out there, and everything is energy. And if you, the more you can see yourself that way and see the world that way and start to work with the, the boundless uh, opportunities of energy, 
the more robust your life will be, in, in my opinion. It's worked for me. I can't say what's going to work for everybody. I don't tell people what to do. All I can say is this has worked for me. I'm just a regular guy. And uh, give it a shot. Uh, just do what feels right for you. If you want to improve your life, take those initial steps. And dear listeners, whatever Robert said just a moment ago, he could be totally wrong and it could be full of crap. But if it works for you, who cares? And I think just being open to the possibilities allows you to experience all of that stuff because the maker did not put us here to fail. He put us here to succeed. And I feel honored and privileged I had a chance to chat with you today, Robert. Thanks so much for being on the show. My, my, my pleasure, Umar. If I might say my show is Guys Guys Radio. You can find it anywhere. The podcast is all over the world. Brilliant. And we're going to put all those links in the show notes so you can just click on it and go there. Once again, Robert, thank you so much. Thank you, Umar. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming. And that is the fastest way to get better results. 